this morning we acknowledge, Jesus, that you didn't die for nothing. That we needed you to die for us. That there was no other way that our sin matters. We thank you that we're loved sinners and we thank you that you cleanse and keep on cleansing us. And so we confess our sins to you now. And particularly, we think about how you say, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's good for building others up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed in the day of redemption when you died. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and malice and slander. And so not thinking about what other people say, but the words that we have spoken that put others down, if true gossip, if not true slander. We confess about how we've spoken about people and ask for your forgiveness, for your cleansing, for a renewal of your Holy Spirit within us. We thank you that we are loved sinners who are being set free from sin. And we pray today that as we listen to your word, you would send your Holy Spirit in a way that many of us would be changed. That through this coming series, our whole church would be changed. And that your love would flow through us into this region and beyond in the days to come. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may have a seat. So our calling here at Celebrate Church, the unique calling to, to us that we're rallying around is that we are people who are gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. And uh, let's see, a year ago, almost a year ago, we through August and all of fall, really focused on the presence of Jesus. Like starting with Moses, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't want to go, God. We want your tangible presence with us. And we talked about prayer for that fall. Intimacy, drawing close to God, and intercession, praying for others for a whole fall, focusing on his presence because praying and worship invites his presence. He's present everywhere in one way, but he's present in a unique, tangible way more when we invite and we worship and we pray. And so we focused on that for a while. In Acts, right at the beginning, Jesus says, go wait for me, and they join together constantly in prayer, and what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit, the personal, powerful presence of God to be in them and rest upon them, and so we focused on this presence of Jesus that comes to us by his Spirit. And then in January and February, we talked about gathering, that when we say yes to Jesus, we're also saying yes to be joining with those who are his followers. It's not like just an individualistic thing. He doesn't recognize it that way. We're connected to all believers everywhere, but we're also to be connected with a community of people, to fellowship with a fellowship of people in Jesus' name. 
We are gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. And now, today, we're starting a series called Let's Go. We are going to focus on uh, how do we go and use the book of Acts to do it. And what we're going to do during this summer is every week we are going to have a Go video. A Go video, which is how are you, how are we as celebrators doing things out there? Not just what do we do as a church in here. The church is not, it is a building. There's a church building. There's a service. We go to church. There's an organization. But ultimately, the church is a people. And so what are we doing? How are we going with the presence of Jesus in his name? And uh, Mike, Michael Motes, a couple years ago, was talking to me about how he and his wife, Jackie, they're both elders at our church, we're sharing, like, how can we spur one another on in what's happening out there, in what we are doing out there? And so one of the ideas that they had that has come about this is this Go videos, a way to share what people are doing. And so we are doing our first Go video this morning with them. Um, but just so you know, what the Go videos are going to be are little snippets of what we're going to have as a podcast where you can listen to a whole 20 or 30 minutes about uh, their story. So we're going to watch a few snippets from the story that will be available to you all, and I'll talk about that after we, we watch. What made you want people to know about what others are doing within the community? Because our church family, we do a lot here at Celebrate, but... There are so many of you celebrators that are doing beautiful things in the community. What made you want people to know about that? Because um, there are some people in our, that are sitting in our pews every Sunday, or, or even if it's just one Sunday a month, or what, that are doing some significant things um, within our communities to, to share the gospel That's right. um, with other people. They are listening to God's calling, and they are going, going out, and they are... Um, just right. serving. A lot of people are just kind of, okay, I don't know how God can use me. Right. But if they see that I just open up my shop one day yes. month yeah. and invite some guys over and we sit and talk about something related to God, well, anybody can do that. Right, right. You know, serving God looks a lot of different ways. It does. There's not a specific cookie cutter way to do that. Right, yeah. And, and coming to church is just how we get fed mm -hmm. so we're prepared to go do those things. Yeah. We really want to make people aware of, number one, what other people are doing. Yes. But also encourage people that you have that power yes, as well. Yes, right. You don't need the permission of Celebrate Church yeah. to, to do what God's calling you That's to do. Right. We absolutely want to come alongside you yes. as a church. We absolutely want to support you. We want to pray for you if there's needs. That's what we, that's what we should be doing yes. as a church. But um, we just want to raise awareness, I think, yes. just that there's some cool stuff going on. And, yeah. and God is moving in our community. And if you can't see that, maybe we can opening each other's eyes. So this 
This is going to be a podcast. So where we get podcasts of our sermons, there's a Celebrators podcast, and that's where we put our sermons. We'll also have these uh, Let's Go stories interviews on that podcast, or you can watch them on YouTube, about 20 to 30 minutes, and you can hear more of what are Michael and Jackie doing specifically on that podcast, and then we are going to keep, keep showing these uh, throughout the summer. Some of them we have planned, some of them we uh, believe that we will discover in this series as we're talking among ourselves, how are we going, and how can we encourage one another to be going? So, with that in mind, I want to give you the sentence that is the summary of the sermon today before we start. So if you can bring that up, Adam. Uh, Here's is. Let's go strengthen and encourage others in their faith in Jesus with Holy Spirit's help. Let's go strengthen and encourage others in their faith in Jesus with the Holy Spirit's help. So, We are going to talk about a specific section of Acts today, three paragraphs, but before I get to that part, I just want to give a little setup there because this is our fourth year in a row of doing a sermon series from the book of Acts. In the summer of 2020, we did one on Acts 1 through 7, chapters 1 through 7, and that is where the Holy Spirit came, the church was birthed, they were to be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but it was what was happening in Jerusalem as the church was formed. And then in 2021, we talked about, uh, from Acts chapter 7 going forward, the ways that Peter and Philip and others went to Judea, Samaria, and even the non-Jewish people became Christians. And then last year, In 2022, we went back to chapter 7 and picked up the pieces we had skipped over that are about Saul, about him being converted, and then about he and Barnabas and the ways that they decided to go and to to people that did not know about Jesus, had never been exposed to Jesus, many of whom didn't even have um, any sort of background with the Jewish faith. And that is where we focused, and we are going to pick up where we left off. Today And so where we left off was there was a fight. There was a fight over whether non-Jewish people who came to believe in Jesus had to become Jewish in terms of what they ate, in terms of being circumcised, in terms of all these things. Did they have to be Jewish to be followers of Jesus? And some said yes and some said no. And there was a big council in Jerusalem and then there was a ruling and they came to an agreement that they didn't have to. And then... So it's like, great, when there's fights in the church, the goal is, let's bring it together. And there it worked out. And then two paragraphs later, we see how Paul and Barnabas got in such a big fight that they ended up parting ways and continue to follow Jesus in, in different areas, different ways. That is where we left off last year. So here's what I want to do. I want to get us into seeing the how much going is happening in Acts. And so while... Uh, there was the church growing and vibrant and healthy and powerful and generous in Jerusalem. And while some went out to Judea and Samaria and it started to spread, it was still very contained. First decade, it's very contained and it's mainly to Jewish people, almost exclusively to Jewish people. But there were some. There were some who went beyond Jewish people. They went all the way, they went all over the place and they went to Antioch and they're nameless. It just said some among you. So we get these, you know, Peter, we get these stars, but there's some that just went and it took root in the city of Antioch. And here it is in in Acts chapter 11, 
Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with these people, and a great number of them believed and turned to the Lord. So what happens next? News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So I want to show you what happens next. If we can get a map up. Oh, yeah, I can't see it in the back. So way down in Jerusalem, that's the hub. That is where things are happening in the book of Acts. Until we get to this chapter 11, and they find out there's people that went all the way through Syria up to modern-day Turkey into Antioch, and so they send Barnabas, one of the leaders, to go all the way up to Antioch to find out what's happening. He's like, this is legit. It's the real thing. And so what does he do? He goes over to Tarsus, and he gets Saul. Because he's known Saul, he's seen Saul, Saul can teach. And he gets Saul, and Saul goes with him to Antioch, and then together they lead these people for a period of time, and Saul teaches them. And so Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He's encouraging them to remain true to the Lord with all their heart, and Saul is teaching them, and he's strengthening them in the word of God, not just in any, any other thought. And the church grows in numbers over and over again. It says, great numbers of people, great numbers of people, great numbers of people in this city come to believe. Chapter 13 is one of the primary verses that is sort of an impetus for gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. This is in Antioch. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, or Niger, or no, just Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping, now here it is, here's the gathering in his presence. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They were gathering in his presence and then God says, I want you to go and they go. And this is what we talked about for most of our sermon series last winter is how they went all these places that hadn't been gone. In fact, if we bring up the next map, the arrows are, they are starting in Antioch where the orange balloon is and they go all over, oh, that's the wrong map. Oh, well, next week, maybe I'll show you the right map. Actually, go show, put the other map up because it's closer. Now, there's one more map. Okay, so this is the region that they go in. They go, this is what they did originally. They went down to Cyprus, then they went up into Galatia to those cities named, and then they doubled back around, didn't go back to Cyprus, but went down to Antioch. So what happened when they were doubling back around? Acts chapter 14, verse 21, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of people. Then they returned to Lystra, that was in Derby. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Strengthening and encouraging them. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. But they're going to all these places and they are strengthening and encouraging them to remain true to the faith in Jesus to their confidence in what Jesus did, in who Jesus is, in what Jesus promises. Be strong in that. That's what they're going to do. Now, we fast forward to they have this fight. They went down to Jerusalem. 
And they had this big council in Jerusalem. Are we going to make non-Jewish people be Jewish and take on Jewish culture if they want to be followers of Jesus? In the end, they say, no, we're not. We're going to have four things we're going to encourage. Three of them have to do with idolatry. One of them has to do with abstaining from sexual immorality. Those are going to be the big, the big things. Probably the things about idolatry with what kind of food you can eat had to do with so that Jews could feel comfortable still eating with Gentiles if they were believers. Anyway... Those things, but they do not have to be circumcised. They do not have to do everything that a Jewish person needs to do. They send two leaders, Silas and Barsabbas, Judas, also called Barsabbas. Silas and Barsabbas, they send two leaders to take the letter so that it can be delivered personally to the church in Antioch. So what is the church in? So that's where we're going to pick up, and I'm going to read this next part. These are the three paragraphs. But as I'm reading it, I am going to show where go is implied. Go is implied because there is a lot of going in this passage. So the men were sent off to go and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of, of peace to go return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns we, where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but to go with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to go for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left to go, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, going all those places, strengthening the churches." Paul came to Derby. When he was going, he decided to go to Derby and then to go to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, that is Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled, going from town to town, they delivered decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. There is a lot of going happening here. They are going places. They are going in the name of Jesus. And what is happening when they go? Let's look at three verses that we just read through. Well, four verses. The first one is verse 31 and 32. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. They are going, strengthening believers. This is one group going. And, and then, so the one group comes from Jerusalem. They go up to Antioch. They do much to strengthen and encourage. And then what do they do? They say, well, you go back to Jerusalem. And when you do, we want to send you with a blessing. There is strengthening and encouraging happening in both directions. Next verse, verse 41. So this is Paul going with Silas. He's going through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 
So they were strengthening the believers in Antioch. That's what Judas and Silas were doing. And now Paul and Silas are strengthening the churches. One more at the end of verse 5. After all this going to Lystra, all these cities, by the way, are in the region of Galatia, which we have a book in our Bible, a letter in the Bible, a letter to the Galatians. So the people we're talking about today, the cities that he's going to are the Galatians, which we have a, a part of our Bible is written to this group. And so the churches in these areas, in Galatia, were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, when we go to strengthen people, what I want to make sure we know is to strengthen and encourage when we go, it is not just like we're going to go strengthen the churches, so let's make sure that the organization is well run. Let's make sure they have enough money. Let's make sure that everything is, is the uh, best leadership possible. Let's, let's figure out the organization really well. That's not the strength. And when he's going to strengthen believers, it's not strengthening in terms of like, now I don't need God anymore because I'm strong. I've got what I need. I can handle it. We're going to be strong politically. We're going to be strong. That's not the kind of strengthening that this is referring to. Strengthening in their faith strengthening in their confidence in Jesus, in their confidence in his faithfulness, in their confidence in his ability to help us through life, in their confidence in his ability to take us where we need to go after death. Strengthen people in the name of Jesus, in confidence in Jesus. When we go to encourage, we aren't just trying to lift their spirits up a little bit, make them chuckle, give them an attaboy, all that's good. But what we're talking about here today in strengthening and courage is in the name of the Lord. We're actually, because I can have someone feel a little bit better or distract them a little bit or numb them a little bit to, so that it's not so hard for a moment and they'll be encouraged for this long. Or I could introduce somebody to the one who created them to the one who died for them, to the one who will be with them always, to the only one that can help them after death, and they will be strengthened forever. That's the difference. It should be the whole thing, but my, when we talk about this, when we go to strengthen and encourage, it's not just to give people a little pep talk about how you'll be okay, you're okay, you can do anything you want, you, 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 here we go. It is God is awesome, and he loves you, and he chose you, and don't forget it, because we can make it through life, even the hard things, because God is with us, and his promises last forever. That is the kind of strengthening and encouraging. We are pointing people to Jesus, and we do it all sorts of ways. We don't have to do it obnoxiously as we talk about Jesus. But it includes Jesus. If we want to strengthen people in their faith, it includes Jesus. Now, the other word, encourage. Just going back again, 15, 31, 32. I'm going to read it one more time. The people read the letter and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. And I have really got stuck on this word encourage. So in the Greek, which I don't know Greek, I kind of know how to use translation tools, but in the Greek, the word is parakaleo. 
And courage equals parakaleo. And what I found is that the word para, well, so para, let's go to the next slide first. Para means come to the side of, come close to. It's like a personal word. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to come up and be with you. Come alongside of, and then to call. Those are the two words. It's a compound word, and that's what we're getting at. It is mentioned, or it is used 109 times, this verb, in the New Testament, but it's not always translated encourage. So, encourage, comfort, console, exhort, beg, urge, plead, appeal. It's used in all sorts of ways. And I looked up all 109 times it's used. Interesting, in the Gospels, the way it's used the most is people coming to Jesus and begging him for healing for themselves or someone they love. Begging. So the word, the word is to come close to, to call, and there's a little extra intensity to it. It's not just a casual coming alongside and talking. It is an intentional. It is an urgent. It has some energy to it. And sometimes we encourage people who are down, who are hurting, and that's how it's used sometimes. It is like encouraging people and lifting them up, those who are heartbroken. That's why the word comfort is sometimes one of the translations. We are encouraging you to not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes it is more of a challenge. Like, I am urging you to follow Jesus. I, one, of the, one of the passages, the word is implore. As Christ's ambassadors, therefore I implore you, be reconciled to God. This is what they were doing as they went, as they were going. They were urging people. And so, Paul is often writing many of the different letters that we have as part of the collection of works in our Bible. And so you'll see him say, I sent Timothy to you, Thessalonians, to encourage you. I sent Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus. These Greek names are... But I sent them to you, Corinthians, to encourage you. And then in 2 Corinthians, I sent Titus to you to encourage you. I sent these people in this list. There's about six, seven, eight names. I sent them to encourage you. And so what are they doing encouraging? Well, if we look at this word in the New Testament, one of the things is I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling. What's our calling? Our calling is we were worth dying for. Now live a life that's worth dying for with the help of Jesus. I urge you to live that kind of life. And it'll get specific. I urge you to stay away from false doctrine. I urge you to be sanctified and to not have anything to do with sexual, sexual immorality. I urge you to pray. I urge you in another place to pray for all people all the time. I urge you in another place to pray for me. I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. Please do this. I urge you not to have the grace of God that you've received be for nothing. 
I'm encouraging you because someone died for you, not just someone, the one died for you, and I'm encouraging you because I see you, the Lord sees you, I encourage you to imitate me because I have given my whole life, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about what Paul said, I've given my whole life to this. I'm encouraging you, this is everything, this is worth it. Let's go encourage people, let's go strengthen people. That is what's happening. When they're going from place to place, encouraging and strengthening the churches. But how do we do it? We're mostly discouraged people. We're tired. We're sick. Our loved ones are sick. We're stressed. Our bank accounts are tight. How do we do this? How do we go encourage and strengthen people? Because that's the call. Let's go strengthen and encourage people in their faith in Jesus. And I haven't talked much about the last part of the sentence yet. So perikaleo, that word that's 109 times in the New Testament has another word, it's a noun, parakaletos. Same concepts, come close to, come alongside, call. It's only used a few times in the New Testament. Let's look at it, a couple, uh, most of them, because most of them show up in John. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. There's that word sometimes translated counselor, comforter, helper, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. He comes close to you. He walks alongside you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How? By my spirit. By Holy Spirit. Now, 16 verse 7. But, the very, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the encourager, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, Jesus says, I will send the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, to you. Funny, when he comes, he will, uh, he will judge the world. When he comes, the Holy Spirit will talk us, teach us about sin and righteousness and judgment. It's not all just anything that you can do that can make yourself feel a little bit better. But it is like, here's the true state of, uh, of our soul and the true consequences of our actions and attitudes and hearts. So repent, change the way you think, and I will help you to become more like Jesus. Last one. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. How do we strengthen and encourage people in Jesus 
ranging from people who don't even believe in God to people that we're close to who are fully followers. We can do it, and everywhere in between, how do we do that? We can't do it on our own, but we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we can do it when we connect with other people who also have the Holy Spirit. In an intentional way, one of the things it says in Hebrews is, I encourage you to get together, or encourage one another daily, it says. Hebrews chapter 3, encourage one another daily. And, and so, I could think like, I do that. Hey, bud, how you doing? Hey, have a good day. Hey, love how you played well in that sport. Hey, I could do that every day. But it says, encourage one another daily that you will not be dis- be, your heart will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. There's a specific kind of encouragement. Now, we should give, be positive, bless people. That's awesome. But this is talking about how do we get strong in our faith in Jesus? How do we encourage people to live a life worthy of the calling? How do we implore people to be reconciled to God? Hebrews, never mind. I've made my point. So let's go. Let's go back to... I think I stepped over things, Adam. Let's just go to the last sentence. Let's go strengthen and encourage others in their faith in Jesus with Holy Spirit's help. Let's do it. Now, as a church, there are ways that, like the book of Acts, there are people that go on behalf. So last week, I was in Waukee at a church joining the Sending Network, Part of their service is the 30-year anniversary of that church. It happened to be the same day that they were officially joining the Sending Network. And so there were words that I spoke and praise, prayers that I prayed, and people came after. And basically what they were saying is, it was really encouraging to have you here. And one person came up to me. I, she, I recognized her. wasn't really crystal clear on where, but when I was a youth pastor, one of the regional youth things we did, um, she was at, she was from a different high school than when I than where I worked, but then she went to Central College while I was still working at, at Pella, and she said to me, I mean, this is over 15 years ago, she said, you said this, and I still think about it all the time. And I just wanted to tell you, because you probably have no idea when your words make a difference or not, and I just wanted to tell you that. And so she encouraged me, because, I mean, maybe not everybody's like this, but when you are up front or with people, and when you're talking a lot, The more you talk, the stupider you look. I mean, that's a proverb. Like, you want to look smart, don't talk very much. You look smarter. And so it's constantly this like... So it's good to have that encouragement. And next month, I'll be going to give a sermon in Sully, Iowa, when a person is being ordained as a minister who I mentored for several years. And that is a way that On behalf of you, I can go and encourage this person because people have done that for me over many years. I would not be here if there weren't people who mentored and encouraged me. The team of Abaco is going. We are are sending them to go in the name of Jesus, but they they go as a team, but they go with the full backing of us to send the Holy Spirit with them. You saw in 
in Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, how they laid hands on, how some people fasted. They prayed. So it wasn't just going, and we're going to do good work and build things. It was going with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we strengthen churches, when we strengthen uh, fellowships of of Jesus, communities of Jesus, then we strengthen their witness to the world. If we do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's good. But it's not just about like the church doing organizational things. All of us, all of you, whether you, you might just be a visitor at this church, you all can go strengthen and encourage people by pointing them to Jesus, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the chance to do that everywhere. We do not have to go to Abaco. It's a good thing to do. It's good for our faith and it's good for their faith, the people down there, and for people of no faith. It's good. But we can go across the hall, across the road, across the aisle, across where we can go wherever we go, and we have the opportunity for it. We have the opportunity to encourage people to put their confidence in Jesus by loving them and by praying for them and by at times speaking a timely word whether it's to encourage them because they're disheartened, like it talks about in the New Testament, whether it's to encourage them in their faith, in their heart, in their love, or whether it's to encourage them like, you can do it. You can stay focused on Jesus. You can draw near to him. Don't get distracted by everything else. So, I'm going to have Judd come up. And... I think that yesterday was Judd's 10-year anniversary of working at Celebrate. If not, it was this, it's this month, right? So, I, told, yeah. I told him during announcements I was new here, so that didn't work. Right, you said you, said you were new. I thought that was ironic. I just, what I would like is if you have been encouraged by this man, not just from the front, but in some way, if you have been encouraged by this man, you would stand. Now, if all the people who've been encouraged by this man were here in this room, they wouldn't fit. It's one person. We want to all be like that. So thank you for standing. You may have a seat. And that's why I've asked Judd to pray for us this morning. To pray for us that we would be encouragers. He has the spirit, not just a general encouraging spirit, the one I've just preached about for the last half hour. He has that in him. And so I want him to pray that we would have more of that in us. You tell us in your word, Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So my friends, I pray over you that you would take that to heart. 
that the Lord is with you wherever you go. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And I pray over you in Jesus' name that whatever the enemy is trying to do to distract you from that, whatever the enemy is trying to do to make you feel defeated in that, or your work doesn't matter, or that you're not good enough, the Lord can't use you. My friends, I declare over you in the name of Jesus that that is a lie. That that spirit, that spirit of truth lives in you. And like Andrew said earlier, Jesus didn't die for, any, for nothing. He died for you. He died for those who work in the cubicle next to you, that live across the street from you, that may be sitting beside you right here today. So I encourage you to have that strength, to have that courage, to speak the name of Jesus over people, to speak life into them, to not, to not just give them that attaboy, but to truly meet them where they are, to love them well, not by your own doing, but by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you and through you in the name of Jesus. Because it's worth it. Because it matters. Because one drop can cause a great tidal wave. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in each and every one of these people. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And we pray these things in the name above all names. The name of our living Savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Judd. Have the worship team come up. I also want to just acknowledge Angela, his, uh, Judd's wife. Yeah. <laughs> Because for over 10 years, I don't know, she's been living out this in her work in the county, in her work in schools. She has been doing the ministry, along with being here, she has been doing the ministry of Jesus to those who, who desperately need it. 